Have we got a quiz say, quiz say music? Uh, hang on, I've got... That's the baseball one. Welcome to the board game Chinwag. You're joined by the regular five. We've got Dave. How you doing? Hello. I was just about to take a drink of my tea, but hello. Uh, all good, all good. And Shane, how are you, mate? Fantastic, mate. We've got Helen, and you won't see the video, but Helen is uh, currently in sitting in a very regal seat. Um, <laughs> that sounds like you're on the toilet. That's it a really totally bad sounded like uh, I was on the toilet. <laughs> guarantee she's not. Um, how are you doing, Helen? <laughs> yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Good. It's actually her bed, just in case anyone's wondering <laughs> what the hell I'm talking about. And but I am G- sitting. Yes. Yes. A- and G Money, how are you doing, bud? I'm all right, and I am definitely on the toilet. That's why we can't see your camera. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so we don't have cricket. That's the only place to watch the cricket. I was aware <laughs> of. <laughs> so just so you're aware, tonight at, at numerous times we might throw to G Money for a score update because it is currently day four of the Ashes. Game three, Australia's up 2-0. So if we win this one, we win the series and play two dead rubbers. So we'll be getting some score checks. What's the current score, G-Money? They are one for 42. Oh, did they appeal the, the other out? Nope, they just, that was just one, their first wicket. Oh, I think so. Okay, wicket. very good. Okay, very good. Um, all right, so we don't have a topic for tonight's podcast either, so I don't really have anything to throw to anyone. So I guess Start, we'll just... Tell us the new um, Scythe game. What's that oh, like? yeah. I could start with that. Yeah, I had a, um, I, I got my copy of Expeditions, uh, which I was very excited about. Um, for anyone who isn't aware, Scythe is kind of like the, it is, we talked about our, um, what do we call it? Our four Mount games, Rushmore games. Rushmore of games, and Scythe is definitely number one on that list for me. And so I was very excited to see there was uh, a sequel, but also very nervous because Stonemaier has been a bit hit and miss for the last few years for me. Um so I was a bit concerned. Take that back. Oh, there's a couple of games that <laughs> just didn't hit the mark. There are some great ones, but there's also been some not so great ones. So, <coughs> pendulum. Uh, <laughs> uh, fair call. Cool. My apologies. Yeah, I was going to say um, that card game, Red Rising. Yeah, yeah I didn't. Like oh, that. don't you know, dare! Red Rising is guys, amazing. It's not as good as Fantasy Realms though, and that's an easier, quicker game. Anyway, but bottom line is, I got Expeditions, and um, I was a bit excited. So we we cracked it out, and. Um, it's an interesting game. It's not Scythe. It's definitely not Scythe. That's very clear. They're two, I wouldn't say very different games, but different enough. Uh, there's enough in Expeditions that makes you realize that you're playing in that same world, which is cool. Like the characters that you run are the same. And um, I like that it's changed it up. So there's sometimes when you love a game, you love it for its flaws just as much as you do for its really good things. And, and Scythe has some flaws. It's There are some factions that are much stronger than others. Uh, there are some factions that are easy to learn than others. There's there's just things that – and there's map combinations with factions that are overpowered and others that are really hard. And what I love about this game is it, it it's obviously learned from the from those little um, flaws and, and made this game better. So what you do is you randomly get assigned a leader, and that'll be the same leaders as before, whether it's, you know, Vesna or – um, you know, whatever their names are. I can't remember, remember their names, but anyway, them. And then you'll get their their sidekicks. So they're their animal sidekicks that they've always had. Um, and then you'll be, then you'll just randomly be assigned a mech because the mechs aren't your mechs anymore. That's kind of moved on. You're not, you're not in Europa. You're actually heading to Siberia. So you, the mech that you have doesn't, isn't necessarily a, a tied to your race or your people. Uh, so that was kind of cool because what that means is the setup is, is, Random, but also balanced because the mech strengths—they're not like they're not huge. They're just little tiny differences. Um, so there's—I I mean, I've only played it twice, so I couldn't tell you that if there's any imbalance. But it kind of feels like it's—it's it's set for balance. I, I can't see how any combination could be considered stronger than the other because they are. It is—it's quite even across the field. Uh, that's cool. But the the game itself is—it's an exploration game, obviously, with a name like Expeditions. But it's also a deck builder, um, which it doesn't really sort of promote itself as one, but it really is. It's it's an open-handed deck builder. So you, whenever you gain a card, it goes into your active row, which is could also be called a discard. 
Um, and then when you refresh, you get all your cards from your discard and you put them into your hand, which is actually on the table in front of you. You never actually hold cards in your hand. Uh, and then when you play turns, when you do the play action, you take one of your cards and you put it in your active row and you take that action. And you start with two cards that are fine. But as the game progresses, you gain more and more cards with better benefits. So it's a deck builder. Like that's basically what the game is. Um, but a really simple action selection thing where you've got this little cube. After you refresh, you, you move to this one square. It has three arrows pointing up to the three actions you can take, which is move, gather, and play. So you can take all three of them because nothing is blocking that. On your next turn, you have to move your action token from that square to one of those three squares. So one of the move, gathers, or, or plays. And what you're doing is actually blocking out that action, but you can take the other two actions. And you can move it around those three as much as you want, so long as you don't repeat the same thing twice. So you can't do move and play and then move and play again. Um, so once you get your head around that, basically it's a decision of, do I want to go and explore? Do I want to play cards out of my hand? And the gather action, each hex itself has its own benefit that you can take when you're on it, and that's the gather action. Um, you go around, you uh, you can do some really cool upgrades. So on your board, on the top side, you've got quests you can complete, and the more quests you complete means that your, your uh, trophies at the end are worth more. So at the start, they're worth five coins for every trophy you, you succeed in. But if you have three or more, they're worth 10 and, you know, two and one are worth like six and eight or something. So that's like building your bank of uh, your victory points at the end of the game. On the side is upgrades. So they're like these special item cards. And if you upgrade them, you'll get them for the rest of the game as like individual benefits. And then underneath you can meld uh, meteorites into these other benefits. And whenever you do that, you get every other melded card. So the more of them you have, you trigger like, you know, you know you have love combinations. It's like, I get this, now I get this, now I get this, now I get this. How cool is that sort of thing? So there's so much you can do on this one little sp space in front of you on your board. And then obviously you've got all your card play. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I can already see what people aren't going to like about it. And that is that one thing that annoyed people about Scythe is it looked like a big fighty fighty game and it really isn't. There is no fighting in this game. So you have your one huge mech and they are huge. Um, and But that's that's your mech that's going out into this area. It's 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 what you're traveling on. It's not, it's not, there's no fighting. There's no conflict. Um, when you're playing against other players, you're essentially racing them to the end rather than fighting against them. Um, so I wouldn't say it's multiplayer solo, but I'd say it's... Um, there's a fair bit of time where you might be on, I played it two player, so it's probably even more more exaggerated where you're just not in each other's way and there's no real benefit to getting in each other's way. Um, so if you're not, if you're into, if you're into the combat and you want that, then maybe it's not for you. But if you're like me, who just likes to build an engine and let it run, then this game lets you do that time and time again. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. That's exciting. Sounds, Sounds like my version of Scythe, Scythe without the fighting. <laughs> well, even in Scythe, like, you know, you probably, I've played games where I've never had a fight in Scythe and won the game. You know, like it's, it was, it was always not the major part of that game. And so many, and I was, I thought that there might've been a chance that this game would have been more fighting because so many people wanted that out of Scythe and didn't get it, but they actually went the other way and they, they yeah, it's, it's an exploration game. So yeah, if you, but if you don't like combat, yeah, absolutely. And how, how is it? Go, G. I was just going to say, the combat in Scythe is the best type of combat in board games where you only do it if you get something out of it. Yeah. Like, you don't do it for, for the sake of doing it. Because mm. if you do it, someone will just do it back to you straight away. Yeah, afterwards. it weakens you so much. Yeah, um, so you, you really fight. want to get something good out of it to do it. Mm. Yeah, that's what I like about Tapestry too, right? It's the same thing. You don't have to fight. But you can, but it's for a purpose if you're doing it. If you're going into mm. that centre, it's to do that. It's not to attack people. Unless you're playing against Helen who's got three trap cards. Yes. Hey, I didn't attack anyone. You guys all attacked me. I just defended myself. I didn't attack anyone either. I only, I only had one. Um, anyway, we're playing, talking about a game of tapestry that we played on BGA. <laughs> yes, uh, I think I put one thing out, whatever they're called. Anyway. Thing. What do you 
Yeah, so anyway, that was Expeditions. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm very keen to play it with more players. Two players was, like I said, it was it was pretty cruisy. Um, I think with more players, it would become a little bit more... I mean, you can still you can move through people. You just can't finish on the same hex. But there was a few times, even at two, where I was like, ah, oh, damn, that's where I wanted to go, you know, mm. that kind of thing. So I can only imagine it's more so with five or four. What's what the max the... player count? Currently five, yeah. But I got a feeling there's probably expansions in the works i would imagine what's the uh, multi-card use like yeah well that's that's um what i was talking about before where you can where you can upgrade or you can do quests or you can do melding they also have a benefit that they could just play the card to get um, and you can put a worker on to make that a benefit even stronger so you could potentially never do those things and still have a really strong like it is a decision to tuck a card and lose that as benefits um but at the same time, a bit like Scythe, you've got these goals that you're trying to achieve. And once someone's achieved four of them, um, that triggers the end of the game. Three of those game ending triggers or three of those goals are get four quests done, get four upgrades done, or get mm. four meldings done. So you are encouraged to do that throughout the game. Um, and you can find, I found cards really easy to come by. Like I, at one point, I had like 12 cards in my hand. Uh, and uh, Raf at one point only like was playing against me and only had three cards, but we were both still getting really effective turns. So cards, while they're there, they aren't also aren't the be all and end all. You can just go and explore. And he had this really cool benefit, which is whenever whenever you explore, you get a, uh, a map token, and he could trade his map tokens in for strength or guile, which you need to get rid of corruption. So he was getting rid of a heap of corruption because he kept on trading in these map tokens. Where I didn't really go down that road, I went down the road of getting cards and getting combos and stuff. So, yeah. Sounds cool. Would you liken it to more of the, like a game like Fort or uh, Glory uh, to Rome, Innovation? Well, you've mentioned two games that I haven't played and one that I played like maybe twice in Fort. Um yeah, no, I, I would say it's, um, and this is going to sound really like, you know, whatever, typical Steve answer, but it's kind of like a, it, it's probably more terraforming Marsy than um, a, a, like a cross between terraforming Mars and Dominion would be with a hint of scythe. That's kind of, if you had to compare it to games, that's where I go because the mm-hmm. card play and and the, and the comboing, that's very terraforming Marsy and the, but the deck building, Whenever I think of deck building, I always think of Dominion. So, um, although, yeah, not really. It's not much like Dominion, but I guess, yeah, if I had to put another game spin on it, I'd probably go that way um, more so. What else have you been playing? Well, I've been playing a heap, while. but maybe someone else can talk because I've got a dry mouth after dealing through that whole expedition's uh, run through. <laughs> what have you been maybe playing, I'll, I'll, um, I'll go through the, the list of mammoth games i've been playing since the last pod um and uh it kicked off at the game day at the community place um where i ended up playing i taught via nebula i taught it once and i taught it twice and played it once in my second play and um then ended up in a game of kanban ev uh so it was probably my fourth game of that i've ever played and really enjoyed that game such a brain burn really simple mechanic though when you think about it just put your person here do the action make sure you don't get caught by sandra and uh and then we ended up playing an epic five player game of the godfather calling on Zempire, which is by far i love that game if i ever have five players that game's always going to come out uh we ended up i think we probably ended up with around 15 or 16 of our characters all in the hudson river you know, murdered <laughs> by drive-by shootings or um, car bombs going off in, in whole suburbs. God, it's just brilliant. And um, a close game too, really close game. So, And for three people, it was their first play of it and uh, all three really enjoyed it. So, so that was that was there. Then we ended up, then the next thing was at the Ferret where we played an epic game of City of the Big Shoulders. It was brilliant. Loved it. Was that for your birthday? It was. It was for my birthday, and uh, Dave was there. It was uh, was great to play that game, and he beat us. So, 
It was close. 17, 17 points, wasn't it? Between you and me. It was, yep. Yeah, it was a close one. Yeah. We had a new player and he was pretty good. Yeah, he was excellent. Um, picked it up really quick. And uh, for the first time, I had three companies going. So um, in that, it was that very last round. So you didn't make the same errors that you'd made on BGA? Oh, God. It's just terrible, the BGA game. I think it was my first time I was trying to learn City League Shot was on BGA. I've gotten better since then, so let's crank out another game on BGA. I'll be ready to go on that one. Um, and what else have I been playing? I have played this or this week. We ended up playing uh, The Godfather again uh, on Thursday night at my house with a few people. or five, We had five players. Um, we actually started, sorry, we actually, the week before that, we started Pandemic Legacy Season Zero Two. by the way. We've started cranking that one out on a Thursday night, so we're going to play that whole game throughout. Uh, but last Thursday night, we had a, uh, an extra body, so five-player game was requested. So Godfather Corleone's Empire came out. And another epic game, people dying everywhere, left, right and centre. It was a really cool play. Uh, Pastor Nick had one of his mates up from Adelaide and um, the, it was pretty much the last round. And Nick was hanging on to these three um, three items, which he needed to, to, do the, to the, do the car bomb, right, to let off the car bomb and just pretty much destroy a whole suburb. And that was his plan. But his mate decided he was doing the same thing, took the communal car bomb, from the communal play area, which Nick needed, destroyed the whole whole city. You know, and Nick was sitting there going, he had was waiting for this move the whole game. He had done <laughs> much, not much throughout the whole game, and this was going to be his big moment. He's going, yep. And his mate stole it from him, but then his mate also had the car bomb card. So Nick's like, oh. why didn't you play that card? <laughs> and then I could have had, you know, my go at using the communal card. And he, he's went, oh, oh well, and it's, it would have been epic to have two car bombs go off straight yeah, out, yeah. one after the other. Hudson would have been filled up with real, uh, dead bodies. <laughs> uh, so that was really cool. It was good fun. Um, and then on Friday night uh, with Anita and uh, and Cass, we played Wonderland's War. Uh, really enjoyed that game. Um, it was the first time I played it. I've had it for a little bit. And um, it's... It's kind of like, you know, you've got a Rondell. Has everyone played it here? No. No. <clears throat> you just got this Rond- uh, you've got this Rondell action where you, you've got your character, you move them to a dinner plate around the around the table, and you do the action of the card that's sitting on that dinner plate. And um, and then what that action does is gives you releases some of your meeples, your characters, or your um, and then you go out and you put them into spots to uh, for area control, um, and then you go into an attack phase where you are drawing chips out of your bag. Um, so it's kind of like Battle Quacks or, yeah, it's like Battle Quacks, that's what I call it. So you are you are in the end having these battles for area control and whoever wins the battle um, gets the points and then you're moving to round two and then round three. Um, but throughout the game, you're actually upgrading your chips, you're forging your chips to better chips, so they're replacing your bag. You're also getting all these different other characters that can help you in the fight, and they they, they chips get added to their bat to your bag as well. So it's similar to two quacks. Like I think I had one chip where if I drew it, I could then draw two more chips out of my bag, but put one back. And um, uh, it was such a fun game. And a point the difference. Cass got me by a point. Um, it was really good. And then straight after that. The girls wanted another game of something, so we played, oh, Via Nebula. So I taught that to the two ladies, and they said, if we only learnt this before we played Brass. Yeah, right. Um, She said, you know, we should be telling everyone, before you even look at trying to play Brass, you should play Via Nebula. And um, uh, then I think the best game, though, I think I played over the last couple of weeks since we've been away, is um, Wild Serengeti. Has everyone here heard of that, seen it, played it? I, um, no. I got a copy of it um, and it's it looks really nice on the table. It's just this uh, board on the table 
um, with different uh, hexes and, and it looks like a, you know, a land, like a landscape. And then you've got all these um, animal meeples. So you've got lions, elephants, giraffes, and it just looks fa- fantastic uh, when, you, when you put it all out. But uh, Lauren and I, I taught it to Lauren, and um, I just I, I phrased it to her. I said, we're all videographers and filmmakers for David Attenborough, and so we need to go out into the Serengeti and, make, and create wild scenes. So what you've actually to do is you've, you've, got a, you've got these cards, and then the cards are scenes that you need to create out in the Serengeti. So you might have to have an elephant adjacent to a lion adjacent to a... Um, uh, a giraffe, right? Or you might have to have them all in a line, or uh, have one in the mountains, one in the lakes, and one uh, in the in the uh, forest. So you've got to create these movie scenes, and when you do, you, you add those add the card to your points. You get points at the end of the game. Um, it was really good. Looks great on the table. Um, you can move your you move the meeples around as well. So part of your actions is you can move. And you know, move your meeples to around the board so you can get, create the scene that you want to create. Um, and a good test for me is that Lauren said, "Can we leave this set up so we can play it again?" And I said, "Yeah." So left it set up. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to have another game of it because the week got away, and um, I ended up packing it away on 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 Thursday night before we could play it again. But uh, Lauren wants to play it. She really really liked it so. When you have a non-board gamer say that's a game that I want to continue playing, that was a win for me. So Absolutely. it was a good moment. Cool. So a lot of games played, hence why no gaming this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm intrigued. Um, I know that there was an intention to play Union Stockyards. Did that get to the table or? Not yet, no. No, we, we decided on City of the Big Shoulders instead. Yeah. Game we knew versus a game we'd probably have to learn. Yeah, fair. Um, all right, uh, score, score check, Gmo. Uh, one for 60 odd, one yeah. for 60. Yeah. Fair enough. What about you, Helen? What have you been playing lately? Not a lot. I have been um, trying and failing at solo games on BGA. So I played a couple of rounds of Tapestry and a round of Ark Nova, and I, I probably should have checked what their rules were as to <laughs> what I meant to do before I started just playing the way I wanted to play. Um, so I failed miserably at that. I did have a game start on Friday night, so I did get, we played a game of Mysterium, which we were unsuccessful. <laughs> um, and then we played a game of It's a Wonderful World, which I won. It went really well. Changed the way I normally play it um, to be a little bit more uh, tactful, ta- tactical. Um, and then we played a game I cannot remember the name of. It was a party sort of charade style game. So you've got all these pictures down and you've got these cards and you've got like to, you know, convince, tell people what the clues are out of the pictures that are on the board. And you've got like question marks and exclamation marks to put down to try and get them to say, you know, it's a story and this is the major components and these are the other components. Okay. So, but I don't actually remember what it was called, but we, it was good fun and we played that a couple of times. So that was really good. But other than that, it's just been the games we've played. So obviously we played a game of Tapestry, which I lost to Dave. Um, we played a game of Ark Nova, which, who won Ark? I think I did that game. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just, I had a lot of, apart from that one game of It's a Wonderful World in real life, I've had a lot of failures <laughs> in my game playing lately, just failing at, failing yeah. at them all. But playing is the real winning, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And and I was excited to go, oh, I'm sitting playing on my phone. I'll just play a game, a quick game of solo mode, just as something else to do. So it stopped me scrolling. So it was good Mm. fun to do that, to play a game instead of, because at least I'm interacting in part of it. So, yeah, it's good fun. But a quiet one. Besides watching the Ashes, G Money, have you been playing many games? No, I had a week off from work, oh. and I devoted myself to Frosthaven uh, again. Just not your to children. Like no, 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 no. They can. They were. They were somewhere there. They yelled a bit. I fixed 
I devoted myself to doing a few things that I was trying that I wanted to do in the game but sort of didn't have time previously. So a few quests that I wanted to do that were side quests and try out a few different items and stuff like that. So it was good. Yeah, nice. How far through are like, what was it, the uh, the years? How far through are you at now? I would say... It's a terrible sentence. I've done like four, two full years, like two oh, full yeah. summers and winters. Yep. And about halfway through the next summer. Far out. I'd rough, roughly say about halfway through the game, I'd say. Nice. Yeah, wow. That's an effort, mate. Well done. Hmm. Oh, there's Helen in the background. Oh, there she is. <laughs> See, she does exist. She's... <laughs> and uh, Dave? Look, to be fair, uh, not a lot of board gaming going on lately. We had the 10th edition of Warhammer 40K launch last month, so um, our group has pivoted a little bit to play some tabletop wargaming which we do occasionally and it's taken up probably most of our gaming time so it's um initially what they go through a bit of a similar pattern with the relaunches of warhammer so it's the 10th edition the thing's been going for about 30 years now and the formula they've kind of built up is they set out new rules for the entire game and they bring everybody back to parity basically and then because there's 20 to 30 different factions you can play um, periodically, each month they'll release a new special rule book for that faction, which then introduces more complex rules and a lot more you know, ways to play the game for that specific one. But when the edition first launches, everybody's on par, nobody knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some people, the more you play the game, the better you get at it, obviously. That usually helps, but the more you play a specific faction also helps. So by resetting all of that knowledge, you don't then... Um, have all that to rely on. So Troy, who we regularly play with, is uh, a very good player for Warhammer. He knows a lot of individual armies and individual sort of factions that you can play and how to play them. So, I mean, it, ultimately, it's a very asymmetric game and each of the factions has a sort of flavour in how you play. So um, I've had a couple of games of that. One went very horribly, one went really well. And the way that they've set the mechanics up to run the new edition is quite interesting. It's got a fair bit of a board gamey sort of element with the cards. So um, standard game is there's five points on the map and you just control them. And each turn you get victory points and whoever's got the most victory points at the end of the game wins. So it's fairly straightforward and easy to understand in that fashion. Uh, when they bring in sort of more complexity or more challenge to the game you get objectives and missions and things that you need to do so the way they've set it up there's a deck of six cards and you can choose there's two different decks one is ongoing benefits so if you hold objective number two each turn you get two points or if you hold the center objective you get four points but if you take it off the other player you get eight points something like that Mm-hmm. Um, plays up to 100 so there's ways that you can play it that are ongoing objectives they've also got another deck now which is one-offs so it might be if you can get a unit to every corner of the map you get 10 victory points and then you've achieved that mission and you'd, that's done for the rest of the game so you don't get staggered increases by achieving stuff you just get a one-off hit they've also put in these new things called gambits and so you have your your four objectives that you play through the game but if you're failing at those or if you're getting absolutely obliterated in the, the board game, um, you can play a Gambit card. And the Gambit card is a super unachievable, uh, really hard to, to win thing. But if you manage to pull it off, you get 30 victory points and probably going to win you the game. Yeah, right. So, for example, one of them is um, if you hold the center objective and that's the only one you hold, you have to roll two dice. And if you can get a 12 and it's modified by every unit that you've got within that objective, then you win the game, basically. So it feels a bit like that space space sort of 12 Yeah, right, you win, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're like, it's the last turn of the game, and I'm losing by heaps, but I've got three units left of my army. You start with something like 10. You go, I'm going to rush into the center, I'm going to play this card, and I'm going to roll the dice, and if I get a 10 plus, then I win. Cool. So they've added a bit of sort of randomness to it like often is very tactically heavy strategy game you have to know what you do you know your opponent does position them. Um, line of sight's quite key but they've added this element of well just totally random bullshit luck that often <laughs> you have a small chance of winning but you might win 
So it'd be interesting to play a little bit with that. I think the of the two games that I've played so far, um, it's a lot of it is learning the rules. It is very rules heavy. The rule book for the game is about sixty pages long. Um, but you can very easily treat it like you're treating a board game. It's just a, a one-on-one area control with missions that you need to achieve. Um, so it, interesting. 10th edition looks to be a bit of fun. I think they're trying to simplify it and make it a bit more uh, onboard friendly for new people. So that's mostly what I've been doing. Obviously, we had that game Big Shoulders, which was good, and then a few VGA games. So... That's me. I have to um, say, before you went through all that, the biggest thing I knew about Warhammer was that it's Henry Cavill's favourite game yeah. to play. <laughs> so That's really all you need to know. Isn't it, though? It is, yeah, absolutely. And the faction that he plays. So it's got this, like, fantastic, almost, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe level of lore that goes along with it. But So it's the year 40,000, the Emperor... Is still alive, but he's a husk of a man, um, and he controls and keeps the enemies of humanity at bay through psychic power. And he's got these special bodyguards who are like eight feet tall, superhuman. They've got two hearts, three lungs. They're invincible warriors, basically. That's who Henry Cavill plays. Oh, you know who he plays? Yeah, yeah. He shows the painting that he does. So he's, he's the golden uh, best of humanity, <laughs> golden warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, aside of expeditions, I've um, I've been playing a few games. Uh, I think I might have told you guys that on, on a Sunday morning, Helen and I play games together. We just that's our time allotted for that, and we have been playing a lot of TO, which has been great. Um, but we gave that a break last week, and we played some Ticket to Ride, um, but not the standard Ticket to Ride. We pulled out the the UK and Pennsylvania maps, which, if you haven't played, are a very different take on Ticket to Ride without adding too much complexity. Uh, but we played two games of each of those. And uh, just I'll give a quick rundown. Essentially, um, Ticket to Ride Pennsylvania is a very basic map, but every time you build a route between cities, you get to take a stock in one of the companies that runs that route, that, that line. Uh, and, and then it becomes a bit of a set collection game because whoever has the most stocks in each company wins a certain amount of money, a certain amount of points at the end of the game. Whoever's the second most gets a smaller amount of points, that sort of thing. So... There's not much else to the game, and because it's such a basic map, it's really easy to grasp that new mechanic. It doesn't require, doesn't over, you don't have to overthink the game, which is really cool. So we jumped into that, and I actually really enjoyed that side of the map. That's probably my favorite side of the map, um, just because it's kind of cool to be like, oh, I'm going to go here, and I can see that there's only four lines that have this company, so I've got to take that share here. And then you go, oh, but no, maybe I won't because now that I've gone here, Helen can't go here, which means she can't get to the other three lines. So as so long as I take one of those other three lines, I only need to get one share and I and I have that advantage. So there's little things you can do like that in the game, which is, is pretty cool. Uh, but on the other side is the UK side, and um, it's really cool. You start in England and you can't go out of England until you get your your Wales concession or your Scotland concession or your Ireland and France concession. They cost you got to pay... Um, not the rainbow, the locomotives to, to buy them, um, which is pretty cool. And then, but you also you can't go you can't go on a ferry route until you've built the propellers, and you can only do routes that are one or two in distance until you've added your steam turbine or whatever it is, whatever they're called. But you have to continually keep upgrading your um, machinery in order to be able to actively go and spread across the the map. So, but what's really cool is almost every track is either, there's not very many long tracks. So you could potentially conceivably play the whole game and just be doing one and two tracks everywhere. And I've never played a version of Ticket to Ride where you can get so many tickets because it's such a, it's it's full-size map, but because it's the UK, it's it's quite small. It's easy to get around. So quite often you'll draw new uh, ticket cards and you'll be like, oh, I've already got that. I've already got that. Oh, I only need one more train to get that. And so you end up at the end of the game and it's like, how many tickets have you got? 16. What about you? 12. You're like, holy wow. moly. Wow. Yeah. So it, it's so good. It's, um, it's, it's quite, and it's very tight because of that small map. Um, it is, it is quite tight to get around, but there's always another way. Like there's, you know, to get from Leeds to Manchester, there's, I think there's three different ways to do it, but there's a more efficient, not quite as efficient and least efficient kind of way. But uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed that. It was good to, 
I have played the England, the UK one before, uh, but it was a long time ago. But it was nice just to play both and have two rounds of each, so we could, um, you know, really figure it all out. And Helen again proved her dominance over me in that game, and I I lost all four games. We tied in one game, and she won on a countback on on, on the for the um on the uh, tiebreaker, which was how many tickets you had, and she had thirteen, and I had twelve. So. Um, I didn't even get a win, but it was good. Um, and then this, yes, uh, today, which was also the, the next Sunday on, we played uh, Viticulture Tuscany Edition, um, which was just awesome. It's been so long since I played that game on the table, and specifically Tuscany because even the BGA version isn't Tuscany. So uh, it was really cool. I've, I've missed that game. That's was, again, Helen beat me. And it was one of those things where she sort of forgotten more than I had. So we kind of went over the rules a bit and um, she, <laughs> halfway through the game, she's like, oh, I just, I don't know, what, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, well, it looks like you do. You've got an entire wine cellar of, of wine and I got nothing. Like, and, and it's really, it's such a tight game at two because you, you only one spot's open on every action. So unless you use your grande, only one person can do every action. In... So, Steve, I'm just asking for a friend. Can you give us a quick rundown on how to play viticulture? <laughs> <laughs> asking for two friends. <laughs> play, place workers do actions, make wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to pay like that. I don't know. You haven't sold um, all your fields, have you? <laughs> you don't do that. <laughs> that won't help. <laughs> uh, it is funny. I, one of the things I love about the game is that everyone, like in a six play, you can play up to six players, and in a six player game, you are all trying to do exactly the same thing. Um, it's just a matter of who can do it more efficiently. It's it's the definition of an efficiency puzzle, and I don't think it actually gets credit for that. Um, it gets credited as a as a good little worker placement game, but I really think it's like it's not like you can't take a different path. You can't you know go off and decide to sell grapes in the supermarket. You don't have those options. It's make wines or, or lose the game. So I really like that about the game. But um, as it, proved again today Helen is more efficient than I um it was her last term was great because the one downside I've always had with viticulture is that once you get your engine pumping the game ends like you don't get another round where everything is just yeah. singing it just yeah. it ends um which is cool but at the same time I'm like oh I just want to have one more turn where I get to do all the things but um so I, I was going second in turn order and I was the whole time I'm sitting there going if she fills an order first, she wins. And if I fill an order first, I win. Uh, because we both had our grande savings. We both could have filled two orders, but whoever got there first could only fill one. And she was going first, and of course she filled an order. Um, but she ended up being able to fill three orders because she filled an order, and then I filled an order, and then she used the grande to fill, fill an order. And we had a special worker, which is another thing you get in Tuscany, where its ability is if you play it, you can then remove one of your previous played workers off the board. So she played that, removed her grande, and went back again and did a third order. So she just she smashed me. I was about four points in front, and then she ended up winning the game by, I think, seven. So it was just it was awesome to see. So what you're saying is that potentially Viticulture could use a Venus expansion like Terraforming Mars. To no. Try. You get no. along a bit quicker, to, so then you can produce a lot faster and maybe produce a little bit longer into the game. No, I don't think it needs that. I think I, I, I like the pace of it. I like that you start and you're desperate for money and there's nowhere to get money. Like you can go and do a tour for two bucks. And you're like, great, my, the building I want to build is six. Um, I love that it gets tight, but then all of a sudden, in, in a, like a lot of games, you get to this point in the game where it changes and it's all about victory points and suddenly money is worthless. And that's just when you start getting money. Like... You get you get this every year. You get a reciprocal amount of money depending on how many orders you've placed, which starts at zero and ends up at five. And it gets to a point where you're getting five dollars every year, and you're like, "Cool, what do I do with this? Like, I've got nothing to do with this money." Um, I love that. That it's it's. I love the pace of the game. I, I wouldn't change um, uh, change the start or the end. I, if anything, if I wanted to have like just a jump, like if I was playing with someone, we could just have a joke turn where we just played another round and saw how many points we could get to but it gets silly because in that last round invariably someone will get 10 victory points in that round and end the game if you played another round you'd probably both get like 15 victory points and it's kind of you know in a game where it's first to 25 15 is big big deal sort of thing so yeah 
Sorry? I was just going to say, I think the cards you choose is really relevant to in that game. So you know how you get to choose your cards in the two extra, I don't remember. Yeah, which, at the start. Which, um, the moment yeah, at the, the start and then in autumn or whatever. But yeah, yeah, when you go into the fall, yeah. Yeah, yeah but they, because that, that's where I really found that game saying for me was just what I chose and how they then helped my game along. Yeah. I think, yeah, you can, I, I, for a longest time I played that game, I never bought the cottage. Um, but then I realised that the cottage allows you to get an extra card in the fall. Yeah. And yeah, if you can get some good cards, you can you don't have to worry about spots that get blocked. You can just go and play your cards and and if you play your cards right, you'll uh you'll do all right. So Yeah, tasting table's good too, because you get, you know, people going there and you get money for that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, it's a it's a great game and um I'm just so glad to play it again. And it was another game where we played it and at the end we're like, we should really play this again next week just to mm-hmm. just to ride it home and, and have another crack. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's that. Other than that, um, oh, Raf and I started My City today, so we played the first three rounds of My City. Um, so I don't understand. I get so frustrated with children because <laughs> we played it and we got to the end of round three. And what do you do at the end of the round three? You get to open a new envelope to play round four. Now, if that was me, I'd be like, "Cool, we get to open." It well, was me. I'm like, "Cool, we get to open a new envelope." And Raf's gone. I think three is enough for today. <laughs> we'll play it again next week i'm like what we're at the envelope stage like, what are we working here for and that, that was it we're done so next time we'll get to open an envelope <laughs> far out i say well done raf keep him hanging yeah, do you know what he probably knew how much it would annoy you and that was worth every cent of <laughs> stopping was, at that, that point perfect raf oh, <laughs> it is a cool dad really in well. fact Shane, for someone who plays with, who like, you know, obviously you're playing a couple of games with Lauren, but she's not a massive uh, board gamer. Mm-hmm. My City would be a, a really good recommendation for you because it's a, it's, it's a simple tile laying game. You flip a card and place a tile. It's not that difficult. But what's cool about it is if you do well, you kind of get punished. And if you do poorly, you get a helping hand. So, and it plays over 24 rounds. So like, it's a sort of a game where if Loz is kicking your ass, it's going to make it harder for her and vice versa. So it, it, you're never going to have, you can't have a runaway leader. Yeah. It, it's, it's cool like that. It keeps it nice and even. So. Yeah. Mate, great idea. I had it for so long. And I <laughs> it for that reason. And uh, she said, we're never going to play it. So I ended up selling it at the BrizCon. All oh, right. Okay. It was still in shrink when I sold it. <laughs> there you go. Unlike you to sell games, mate. Yeah, unlike me. Maybe maybe you should try the new one. What's thanks, the new thanks, one they're bringing yeah. out? My my something. My island? Well, I don't know. Yeah. That's probably quite a good segue because I think, uh, Mr. Chivers, you might have something that you need to uh, fess up to in terms of Yeah, I do. Selling I, do. Games. <laughs> I, uh, I sold a top 10 game of mine uh, today. So yeah, current, um, current top 10 or? Uh, probably on the cusp, probably, probably heading the other way, which is yeah. partially the reason. But I sold my everything of terraforming mars today so it was a bit of a strange one but in the end my justification is i've had the big box since it came out on kickstarter i've used it once which was on my 40th birthday when i had a great game of it with yep. g money my sister and my son and my brother and my no my nephew that's the word i'm looking for my nephew um and then it sat on my shelf for the best part of two years and i've got aries expedition which is a bit quicker and easy to get to the table and I play the app, you know, every other day. And to be fair, and G Money, you're probably going to, you know, jump through my screen and punch me in the face for this. I like other engine building games better now. Like I think I enjoy Ark Nova more. Um, I, I'm starting to get the Hang of Earth, which is a, a quicker version of that again. So I'm like, I don't know if I need it anymore. And and if I do, I've got the app and I've got Ares Expedition. So. I but you've also was... taken it out of like Raf's, like sorry, do you know what I mean? You've taken it out of the family, so no one gets it. Well, yeah, none of none of my family were interested in playing it. That's another reason why it sat on my shelf for so long. It's not um, for whatever reason, and, and maybe because I'm like this, but none of my family are interested in games about space except for space base because the theme means nothing. Um, so it, it's hard to get those sort of games to the table anyway. Where it's a game like Dwellings of Elder Vale is a bit easier because it's fantasy and it's bright colors and things happening but 
um, yeah, it, I, I get what you're saying, and uh, but at the same time, someone offered me not not a crazy amount of money, like a, a, a fair a fair amount of money for that game, and I thought they're in a gaming group that are desperate to play it, and they want everything, and they're completionists. So I'm like, cool. Well, I'll take your money, and you can go and have hundreds and hundreds of hours of fun. So yeah, happy days. And you've opened up space on your shelf. A large chunk of space, yes. You can probably fit three games in that space now. So yeah. I mean, it, it's a good point, and I'm not not ribbing you about it. I think that you know we've all made that sort of determination, and it probably makes sense at the time to do it. But um, I saw today that Gameology have started offering pre-orders for the Street Fighters miniature game. I don't know if you guys all saw that. I didn't, but don't no. you have that? Well, I do have that. And so I paid it, what at the time was an exorbitant amount of money for a Kickstarter all-in version of that. Um, so it cost me $500. And that was, I think, a rounded-up version of what the person actually paid for it. So I bought it off somebody who had backed yeah. the all-in. So I think with uh, shipping and with, um, you know, translating the to whatever currency it was from i don't think it was american maybe it's us dollars but it was around 475 or something like that so you know paid 500 quite nice gameology at a pre-order discount of 15 percent or something like that everything in that game 1120 dollars wow. wow i was i was stunned so i'm like I, I don't know how people are going to pay that much money. This thing I've had for two years, I played it a little bit. The minis are quite cool. We we just, it's a. Uh, Would you then go and sell it for eight hundred? Well, th- that's what I'm tossing up. Like it's a, it's taken up a big chunk on my shelf. I even got like a G money, then I spent an entire evening sorting it all into a play case so that you could easily transport it and use it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that it's worth that amount of money yeah. for what's effectively just a bit better unmatched or you know, it, a similar sort of game to that. Like it's a a good one-on-one fighting game with cool minis that at 500 seemed like it was a lot of money. Mm. And I just yeah. I can't see how people bucks. are going to pay 1100 bucks wow. for a game. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah, what do you like more? Street Fighter on your yeah. shelf for eight hundred bucks in your wallet? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, yeah, it's in a box; you can't even see it. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the minis are quite cool. It's just that's the sort of thing. I think we get to a stage in our hoarding of board games that you need to make those sort of decisions. And if a game has gone out of favor, and there's other games replacing it, because that's what happens. People learn from mm. the games and your tastes grow and change and there's there's always a bit of a sentimental value that you'll attach to things but you know terraforming mars you you still play very regularly but other options on how to do that it's just you don't need a 300 dollars game to play it you kind of find your wheelhouse of what games you really enjoy playing mm. so and what type of genres you like to play and anything that kind of doesn't fit that wheelhouse is kind of an easier decision to move on Sympathy yeah shoulders does not come into over there because that was a different decision in my life. <laughs> well, like, and it's funny you say that it too. It was the right decision at the time. It, it was the right decision at the time. And John McDonald and I were having a chat the other day. And he's got another local Brisbane podcast. And he said he never sells games and he always tries to buy his games and collects them because he's been <laughs> playing games for so long. The people that he sort of joint shared purchase of a game with. He doesn't see them anymore, so he's mm. losing friends and gaming groups faster than he's losing access to games. Um, so he's very selective in what he buys and keeps because that's the stuff he wants to play. Yeah, um, it doesn't doesn't matter if other people have got it. If he wants to play it, he needs to own it. Mm. So, I've done that. I've bought games because I enjoy playing it. I haven't played my copy, but I have mm. it in case I need it at any mm. point. But I also go, well, I've got a lot of life left to live. My kids have a lot of life, as I've mentioned before. So I just think at some point they'll get old enough that I'll be able to play with them, if nothing else. The guy that's buying it off me, though, it's been really cool. It's like I could, I know what he's doing. Uh, he's bought it off me and he's obviously played it. He's liked it. And like he said, he's a completionist, so he wants everything. So he saw that and he's like, I want that. But then since, he's, since we've had this chat, he's obviously then doing some Googling. Because I get this message going, hey, just wanted to check. Do you have the upgraded boards? 
So he's obviously found out that the boards were shit. And I'm like, yeah, I got the upgraded boards. He's like, oh, awesome. And I got another message going, oh, do you have any promo cards? And I'm like, yeah, I've got these promo cards. He's like, oh, brilliant. And he's like, so it's, I can, I can feel the enjoyment coming out of him because as he's finding these things on the internet that he's, you're like, you should have this. He's like, oh, I wonder if he's got that. Oh, he does have that. Awesome. So, yeah, it's been really cool. That is good. And look, you know, sometimes we all just make spur of the minute decisions. So I, I own a copy of TO and I like it and I played it a few times and enjoy the game. I don't have any expansions. And then in the recent Kickstarter, Joe was finalizing a group buy and he factored me into buying a, a copy and without knowing that I had one. So I, I got a choice. I could either just accept the copy or go on all in through the Kickstarter and sell my copy. So that, I guess that's what I'm doing. I'm just buying a buying an everything for Tio. <laughs> Not a bad decision. I can No, look, it, it can't be. I think <laughs> look that's that's a good version. We I know I like the base game and I'll play it regularly. The expansions mm. for that I know are actually good, so mm. I think that'll help. Oh, so if anybody's looking for a copy of Tio, I've got a got a spare one. Well there's my confessional for the for the week anyway. That's uh <laughs> I feel good about that one though. I'm sure I'll regret it at some point in the future, but at, for now I'm 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 pretty pretty content with my decision. Um, I, I might as well just, you know, confess as well. You know, I, I feel like I've written a confessional. Um, I'm already drunk before the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> and bought a boy game. <laughs> no, no, I have finished my Liars whiskey though and uh, my cordial. Um, but I, I have just, I'm obsessed with bloody Martin Wallace games at the moment. Oh, we've picked that up. Far yeah. out. <laughs> it's killing me. Like... The collector, the collector in me. Um, I almost have a whole Calix shelf, top shelf, all Martin Wallace games. Um, so I've bought in the last month a study in Emerald. So you stopped not buying then? Uh, no, mistakes, <laughs> mistakes have been made. Sorry, that, that was a bit of a double negative. You stopped not buying, so you are buying. I, 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 I did. Say, it was meant to be dry July, double dry yep. July, right? Yeah. So no booze and no board games. It's the 9th of July. How'd you go with that one? The, the booze is fine. The booze, is not, no <laughs> booze. <there. laughs> it's all good then. We'll no just wait that one way. Up all this extra uh, cash. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's um, I I ended up breaking the rule with a, a game called um, uh, Among the Stars or something like that. It's something it, it's it's um, it's basically um, a, a few acres of snow set in space. Um, is this a so mountain you, game? Yeah, it is, and it's hard to get. Uh, a sky full of stars, I think it's called um, from memory. Um, so that that broke my dry July sitting there and the the collection though at the moment is just ridiculous now i've got a study in study in emerald i then had did you get nanty narking i saw you asked nanty, yeah i got nanty narking which i own uncle morpok as well which basically it's the same game but set in um uh, in britain it's a different theme um then i got what was that something else that arrived another rare one um oh automobile as well um which i think actually is going to be really good uh it's another game so kind of set in the in in the in the states in the early you know 20s and 30s and you're making cars and selling cars to a market uh so i got that and look i could keep going on the amount of games i've bought recently that were his but again back to my point i found something that i enjoy playing Mm. Um, and so why not stick to something that I like playing, uh, which at the moment are his games. They're good. And conveniently, he's uh, not far away from us. Conveniently, and... if I ever need to learn, <laughs> I could potentially ask him. I reckon um, he'd enjoy being asked to play games that aren't brass. I'm sure he loves brass, but I'm sure he's like, he gets that everywhere. Like, you know, teach us how to play brass because it's, it's, it's the hallmark game. Well, no, Helen did that. Didn't, yeah. you? Didn't you ask no, him how to play brass? No, I, we were already learning it, and I said, "Oh, you got any pointers?" And he's like, "Nope," and just kept walking. <laughs> it's a I handful of stars. Handful of stars. That's it. Yeah, because yeah. that's yeah. another one I've got. Onward to Venus, uh, which is another one of his. 
Mm. And managed to get a copy of that in Shrink. So these are all like games that he made under his own company, under Tree Frog Games, um, back in the early days. Um, Do you know you... what his first game was? No. Snap. Don't 1993. Tell me I'll, go on, I'll go on the hunt for Lords it. of Creation. Okay. Um, did you end up getting Age of Steam? Yes. Yeah, the, the Martin one? No, you got my one. Oh, the other one? No, no. The deluxe no, one. Yeah. yeah, I got the deluxe one. But there is a copy on eBay for the an original first edition for 49 bucks, and I'm just not buying it. I'm just holding back. So, 49, 149 No, no, $49. That's very That's cheap. That, it's that one. The one that Dave's holding up. The original first edition. Martin Wallace. Yes. Still says Martin Wallace on it. I, that one's in shrink, Shane. Yeah. So collector's item for sure. That is a collector's yeah. item. Because uh, I don't think so. The ones in shrink. I'm disappointed though. The what the automobile game I bought because that's that's hard, another really hard one to get. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very rare. Um, the guy that I bought it off, there was no commentary on the the condition. It just said you know good condition, but the box has got like peel marks on in corners and. Um, the box had like another heavy box sitting on top of the lid so that so it sunk in the box lid in. So right now I've got a whole heap of iron clay sitting on top of it just to try and flatten it back out again. And then I'll just carefully try and repair the box if I can. Mm. But I'm mean? looking forward. That would be a game for for us, Dave and G. And it's, a, it's a good one. It looks really good. Automobile. Automobile. All right. Man, I've got so many Kickstarters that keep coming in that I just haven't got to yet. Like, I I really need to find some time and actually learn Kickstarter games as they come mm-hmm. through. Otherwise, they just sit there and I don't get to play them. Yeah, Still you, got Darwin's yeah. Journey sitting there. Um, Union Stockyards has now arrived. I never got to High Frontier for all, which I really wanted to play. It's mm. um, that huge one, isn't it? High Frontier. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a huge map, um, okay. like that space map, but there's entry-level versions of the game, which aren't too bad. But, yeah, it, eventually it gets up to worse than an 18xx game. Mm. Um, we've got uh, Castles of Burgundy arriving any day now. It yep. has to be any day. I'm getting sick of seeing everyone bloody unboxing the bugger <laughs> around the world. Uh, and I'm sitting there, where's my copy? It's, and that's <laughs> you know, talking about going all-in and expensive Kickstarters. That's the one I did go all-in on. Mm. I've still got I got all the new too many bone stuff a couple of weeks ago, or unbreakable and all the extra bits for that. And if anything, it's maybe not want to play the game more because I'm like, oh, where do I start? Like, you know, <laughs> where, where do I have eight hours spare that I can go through all this stuff? And so yeah. I just sat there in shrink looking at me. I'm like, oh, I got to do that. So somewhere that's... Liam's like, I someone needs me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Phone a friend. I Go am needed. I am driving in a direction and it ends up at your house. Yeah. Well, I feel like putting Liam was trying to buy some too many bone stuff the other day. I saw him trying to get in there and get it. Yeah, right. Well, my theory is I've really slowed down on Kickstarters. Like I haven't backed and not I haven't like made a decision. I just haven't haven't backed Kickstarters for a while. So I'm starting to get a couple in now. And then I've obviously I'm still backing Shem games, so I back Shipwrights. Um, but there's not nothing really else. I, I used to go looking for games on Kickstarter, where now I'm like, if I know that something is coming up or someone, you know, a, a, a designer that I really like is releasing a new game, like I got the Planet Unknown expansion because Planet Unknown's awesome, right? Um, but as far as new games, that I'm not going and looking and exploring. So my theory is that the, the postman's going to stop coming to my door. And that's going to free up some time to start actually chipping away at these games rather than having the pile grow and grow and grow. That's my theory. Yeah. Look, yeah. it's a good theory, and I've done the same thing. I haven't backed a Kickstarter myself in nearly 12 months, so my backlog is actually gone. But Joe just uses me as like a, a number filler. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden I'll get added into these random Kickstarters. He's like, oh, I've got 11 out of 12. I just need one more DG. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Guess I'm getting that one. Yeah, that's 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 ter- that's the thing about you know you're living so far away, Steve. If you were yeah. in town, you'll be hopping on every one of Joe's Kickstarters with us. So. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, it was actually when I knew that I was leaving for Emerald because you know Kickstarters are gonna be a few months. It was it was good to when he messaged me and goes, "Hey, you're getting on this." I'm like, "Oh, I won't be here when it delivers." 
was like my easy out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, there's still a lot. He they punch a lot through. So I think yeah. there's a few good ones coming through in I the next couple of months. Absolutely yeah. recommend Planet Unknown too, guys. While that's still yeah. open, I'd um such a great game. It's it's I if I if we redid our games of the year from last year, I think it'd be my game of the year. So yeah. A lot of people rave about it. Mm. Cool. Well, anyway, that's probably enough of us chatting about board games. Um, yeah. G Money, can we get an update? Uh, they're two down. Nice. For seven for eighty-five. So oh, we're, I got no chance. We're, we're going to lose hundred percent. Yeah, we're going to lose. Uh, Australia's going to win that for sure. I have a dumb fourteen. Uh, well, um, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. And uh, that was a pretty clean episode too. No swears. Yeah. What's going on there? Was Fuck. it intentional? Adnan, it's not intentional. I'm telling you. I had I had a story all prepped and ready. Like, I, <laughs> so I had a full day out with my kids today, and I don't know if you guys have this, but like you do something tiny or little, and you just go under your breath. You say, "Oh fuck!" Do you guys do that? Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. do it under yeah. my breath. I just do it out loud. For yeah. fuck's sake! <laughs> yeah, Get the fuck off uh, your breath. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, just little things. Like I would, I had one of those um, sugar packets, and I was putting it in the tea before, and I dropped it in the tea. I'm like, "Ah oh, fuck." And the kid goes, what was that? I'm like, oh, I forgot you were there. Um, nothing. Sorry. <laughs> Don't say those words, please. I, I um, get in trouble. The other, the, other night, the other night I was driving, we were going in, into, into the city to pick up Josh. And we, we had the car full, so it was me, Lauren, and Max. And uh, this guy cut in front of Lauren. And I just went, you fucking see you next Tuesday. Really? Loud. And Lauren went, Don't say that in front of Max. <laughs> <laughs> I said, what? Fuck, yeah. shit, no. Yeah. The other one. Next he needs uh, to learn. The boy needs uh, to learn. Uh, <laughs> uh, the internet's taught him way worse than that, mate. Don't uh, worry about it. Uh, my best mate, um, he, he's got a young, he had a young boy. Oh, he still does. Um, but um, I was hanging out with him and, he, and the young boy swore. He was like probably six or seven at this stage. He's, uh, he dropped the F-bomb and Nighty's just gone, hey, don't swear. He's like, and the kid's gone, Why? And Nighty's just gone, um, I don't really know why. Basically, when you're an adult, you're allowed to swear and everyone accepts it's okay. But for some reason, when you're a child, you're not allowed to do it and you get in trouble. I can't really tell you why and I can't really be a good role model for you, but you definitely are not allowed to swear. <laughs> like, that's so true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. <laughs> it's really yeah. important that you don't swear, but don't listen to us when we speak. And if you ever go to a teacher's um, staff room, holy moly. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a I think as long as, you, as long as you swear, you swear in context and you swear at yes. the right time. So it yes. makes sense, right? So yeah. when I called that guy a fucking see you next Tuesday, it made sense because that guy was a fucking see you next Tuesday. Perfect. Moment done. Road, road Rage is such a good example of swearing. <laughs> it's always appropriate. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw I... like one of those Instagram slash TikTok-y things where it was like, you know, what I didn't know as an American teacher coming into Australia and it was literally, it was like, are you going to introduce this C-U-N-T? Like, do you know what I mean? And she's like, "Yeah." he just swore at you. And she's like, no, he didn't. Yeah. And it's like, that word's not a swear word here. It's just a word for, oi, mm. you're going to introduce it again next year? Friend. Like, it's just like, huh. Mm. I'm like, I think it's still a swear word. You know, I, I don't might... think it's any worse than any other swear word, if I'm honest. <laughs> But I wouldn't want it coming boss. out of my kid's mouth. <laughs> my old boss, when I worked at the school, the principal, I remember um, I had to take a kid to the to her office because he would he swore, and um, he was he was pretty not not a great kid. So when he was in the office, he called her a motherfucker, and without even without even hesitating, she's just gone. Well, that's not possible. My mum's dead. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's just you could just see the look on his face, like. Hang on, I'm supposed to be in trouble now. <laughs> and she's and called me up on the technicality. What's going on? Out. <laughs> you can always dig things up, mate. The <laughs> 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 so technically it's not correct at all. Mm. Anyway, um, on that what? note, we, we, we've, we've just, I'm now going to have to click the explicit language button on this podcast now after the last three minutes, but that's okay. Sorry, G, D, DG, you had something? I was going to, like, there's a line as well. So we, I was in the car with the kids today and we put on the um, Flight of the Concords. Oh, so it was Hip Hopopotamus. <laughs> and it starts with, I'm the mother flipping. Yeah. And one of them goes, what, what's that? I'm like, uh, 
don't worry about it. <laughs> and his lines are bottomless. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like if you say mother flipping, I'm pretty sure I'm still going to get in trouble, even though you're <laughs> yeah. technically not swearing. Yeah. So we might just skip this one. Yeah. <laughs> we ended up on, threw it on the ground. And, and the favorite line in that, which I found out and they've repeated a hundred times is tasing on my butthole. Over <laughs> over and over. And over. <laughs> <laughs> the phonies wouldn't let up. Yeah, so the six-year-old and the four-year-old said, taste it on my butthole. Nice. <laughs> You've made it. You've done it. Yeah. That's success. Yeah. That's, yeah. You're a good father after that. That's fantastic. I, I, yeah, I feel like it's been a good day. <laughs> all right. On that fantastic note, uh, who better to send us out than Flight of the Concords? Uh, thank you all again for an awesome chat. It's been a while, um, and we'll catch everyone on the next pod. Sounds Take good. care, everyone. Have fun. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye.